friends to the Bob and Brad podcast. My name is Mike Keenitz, and today I'm interviewing Sandy Hilton, who is a physical therapist and author of the book Self-Care for Pelvic Pain. She is also a PT and part owner of Entrio.Physiotherapy, which works with people online, and she commonly works with people who are having pelvic pain and sometimes urinary incontinence. Today we are talking about Self-Care for Pelvic Pain, her new book, as well as her sit kit, which is helps with sensory integration, which is a technique she has been working on. So without further ado, here's Sandy. All right. Thank you, Sandy, for joining us today. Always happy to be here. This is great. So today we are going to be talking about pelvic floor pain and you have a book and we'll be talking about that later. Um, do you maybe want to mention your book quick? Yeah, before it's, we begin? Called, it's called Self-Care for Pelvic Pain. It's a, a self-treatment book. Uh, the idea is there's so much we need to do to take uh, care of ourselves so we can function from day to day and not have to wait for that PT appointment to feel better. Uh, it's really designed to give people some autonomy and, and some control over their pain. Yeah, it's written for the lay person, so it's a lot easier to understand than you would think. It's not like a textbook we had in school. Not at all a textbook. No. <laughs> all right. Would you mind giving us your backstory? Sure, I'd love to. I graduated from PT school in 1988. I just got the invitation to my 35th year PT reunion that's going to be this summer. So I don't even have to count how many years that is. I got it in the mail. Um <laughs> Been, it's been a fun career. I started in neuro with working with people that had had strokes and head injuries and spinal cord injuries, and then went from that to pediatric neurological disorders and wheelchair seating system designs, and went from that to outpatient orthopedics. And that's when I started doing pelvic health. Um, but I was I was married to an army guy. He's like, why do you keep switching your focus? And it's like, because I kept moving around the country and the world. And a lot of it is what jobs are available at the time. But mm -hmm. what that's done is given me a lot of different perspectives and been able to work with really great therapists and physicians around the country over the years um, and occupational therapists and speech therapists. And you get that that whole breadth of what rehab can be. Uh, and a lot of what's in the book with sensory integration is actually an occupational therapy uh, technique for working with children that have developmental sensory disabilities. So it's, right. it's not terribly familiar in the physical therapy world, but it is very familiar for occupational therapists. Yeah, I was reading a little bit of that. I noticed you mentioned that. I imagine constantly moving and having different positions keeps therapy interesting for you. You never get bored. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, it is, it's always fun. There's so many ways we can help people. And I think that moving over the years and changing focus and seeing the, the flavors in different parts of the country, people are like, Oh, we do this here and this is what works best. And that other stuff's not very great. And then you move six hours away and they do exactly something else and everyone's getting a little bit better. So it's a really nice and not tied to any one particular technique because of that. Cause I've seen so many things help people. Sure. And I've seen so many things not help people, which is why we still, despite years and years of working really hard with things like back pain and pelvic pain, there's still people that have persisting chronic pain. We haven't cracked the magic code for this yet. 
Yeah. So you just moved. You were talking to me earlier before the podcast, but people can still find you through your website before. Do you want to mention that? Right, right. So Entropy Physiotherapy and Wellness, Sarah Haig, who has been on here before, wrote her fabulous incontinence book. Uh, her and I still own Entropy Physiotherapy. It was a brick and mortar place in Chicago until the middle of March. Um, and it's now virtual. So we're still doing telehealth consultations, mentoring, all of those still exist, but our physical practice will be in different places. I will physically be practicing in Oregon, um, and Sarah is physically practicing in Illinois up at Rosalind Franklin University. So do you both work on similar patients, or do you get more pelvic pain and she gets more urinary incontinence? We both work on similar patients. I am a pain geek. I like working with incontinence because it's so distressing to people and it's, it's solvable. It's lovely to be able to help people solve a problem that's stopping them from engaging in the things they love. Um, pain is not often that easy. Not that incontinence is easy, um, but it, it can be more. We know more about helping incontinence. We have level one evidence for incontinence. We don't have that for pain. Uh, but we do both. Sarah's just phenomenal with the post-prostatectomy and um, problems with pregnancy. That's something she really shines at. Uh, and I, I love pain. That sounds weird. <laughs> you like helping pain. I like making pain go away. Yeah, there you <laughs> so go. Getting it under control. Yeah. So your website is entrio.physio, right? Entropy.physio. Okay. So entropy, oh. like the third law of thermodynamics that... Um, things sort of fall apart over time and you need to put some energy in the system to get them back sure. working well. Creative. Yeah. So today we're going to discuss pelvic pain. Um, can you define what pelvic pain is? Yes. <laughs> the um, We've done some research on Meryl Alipadu, Mark Bishop and I wrote and um, published a paper a couple of years ago now about how the the consistency of how we treat pelvic pain and even how we define it is really still all over the map. The um, uh, pain societies around the world are still trying to pin this down. So that was my hesitation. It's like, well, of course I can. And this is not anything that has been solved, but we have a working definition, which is essentially anything from your belly button to your knees, uh, mid thigh area, front back. So it includes the bony pelvis the nerves that feed the pelvis come from your all the way up in T12, so above the lumbar spine, all the lumbar nerves, all the sacral nerves are all components of what's happening in the pelvis for motor and sensory control. Um, so we get that we get to claim the back, the belly, the bony pelvis, and all of the muscles. So, so essentially the core. The yes. Um, yes, because we do talk a lot about breathing. So even the diaphragmatic work can impact the tone in the pelvic floor. Really the human, because our thoughts and <laughs> beliefs and expectations are a huge part of it. It is normal for the pelvic muscles. If a loud noise happened, our pelvic floor should lift and tighten. They're supposed to. So that's normal. They're also normal, supposed to stop when the, when it's no longer a problem. Um, so those, it's reactive, it's it's reflexive, and it's always working. It's just also also supposed to stop working. And most of the problems we see in pelvic pain is where those reflexive responses that are normal 
get over enthusiastic and, and stop, don't stop. They just keep being like this. And that makes it very hard to sit down, to pee, to poop, uh, and to have pleasurable sex or intimacy of any kind. Because uh, as one of my friends in England said, if your knackers hurt, it wouldn't be wanting to use them. Um, <laughs> so yes, whatever that means. Um, the, it, it's pretty common. The, it's a region, it's a, it's a region of the body. Uh, different people will describe it differently, but there is not one agreed upon. And that's a really important word there. There's not one agreed upon definition for what is and is not pelvic pain because so many components are in part of it. Uh, to make it more restricted in the area, it's the basically what a friend of mine and I called your butt print. You know, when you stand in sand or on wet, you were in, your feet are wet and you stand on pavement and you leave a footprint. When we sit, we leave a butt print. That is part of it as well. All of the things around your nether regions. The other countries have such great name, like your undercarriage. Um, <laughs> the, the naming of things through our genitals and our bottoms is, is amazing. Um, but those, those parts between where the urethra, where your pee comes out, the anus, where your poop comes out, um, vaginal areas, vulva, vulvas and perineal bodies and all of those parts that people tend not to talk about and often use the wrong words. Like, like it's something we don't want to say. So instead of saying penis, people will come up with all kinds of different names for it. And that makes getting care for the part that hurts challenging. Um, female anatomy is even worse for being accurately named. And then you're trying to get care for a part where the only names you've heard for it aren't actually structures. Um, mm -hmm. And it can make it very frustrating and misleading and, and hard to get proper care. So the proper naming of things is helpful. Um, but what makes pelvic pain different from say back pain is there don't tend to be people not wanting that information spoken about in public and banning books on it and um, saying that can only be taught by these people over here and you can't talk about it in public. It makes it really hard to have your body operate properly and have good operational knowledge about how am I supposed to work and how would I know if it's not working and who do I ask for help if it's not right? Those things all require that we know what our bodies do. So this is, the book doesn't really go into much of that. It assumes a little bit of knowledge. I sneak some in there, but um, it's an important thing. We should know, like we should know how our hands work and what fingers are. We should know what all our little bits and pieces are and how they work. Right. Yeah. No, it's a good book. I mean, you describe everything and there's like, there's visual illustrations. So you There are visual illustrations. <laughs> I had a, the people that like those. I had a fabulous editor and Amy, the editor, and she, um, she was very patient with my desire to have more graphic descriptions and pictures than are in there. And they, they said, no. <laughs> oh, I am. Yeah. It's very animated cartoonish. It's very um, animated. But yeah, it shows you can get the gist of where to do it for the sensory training techniques and the Absolutely. nerve innervations. So, Because you don't have to be an anatomist to know how to help yourself feel better. Like if your hand hurts, you rub it. You don't have to think, oh, I'm rubbing my proximal interphalangeal joint in the medial caudal direction. You just rub it and it feels better. 
Mm-hmm. That's good. That's fine. So from your experience, how common is pelvic pain? Well, I'm biased because that's what I see. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> so, wow, it's everywhere. That's yeah. not true. In um, women, it's roughly 14 to 25%, 32%. I have the stats in front of me. Um, so 14 to 32% of women in childbearing age will have some sort of pelvic pain. So vaginal, urethral, or rectal pain or in non-medical language, it hurts when you pee or poop or sit or try and have sex or touch it, like to wipe um, or wearing clothes. And then in men, because men have pelvic pain too, I think it's underreported because the stats say 10 to 15%, but my caseload tends to run about half and half of at any given time of men with pelvic pain and women with pelvic pain. Is there any time where people think they have back pain, but it's really pelvic pain? Yes, and sometimes they have pelvic pain and it's really back pain. Oh, uh, because sure. it's a shared neural uh, intervention. The the best, and I think the most important thing with pain, regardless of where you feel it, is if you're doing something to help it get better and it's not getting better, try something else. Maybe just a different part of the body, like because nerves start somewhere and go somewhere. And if you're working at the back and it's not getting better, try the other end. Or if you're working at this end and it's not getting better, try up at the spine. Um, it's There's constant chatter and communication and it gives us a lot of opportunities to help. Um, sure. Which is good. So what are some pelvic conditions that you see and what specialists might want people to see? Um, what, what specialists I would want people to see to help them? Yeah, sorry. I kind of wasn't that funny. <laughs> but I feel like I should come with this big disclaimer. Moving, slightly sleep deprived. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, this is where we get into the naming of things and um, and some of the, the mismatches in the literature. Um, but most common in men is, is rectal pain. Um, like it the sensation of a, a golf ball in the rectum is one of the most common for that area. And that can be women or men, um, anyone with a rectum that, that would make it challenging to sit. And if you're jo- we can't, you can't go through life, not being able to sit. Sitting should be a relaxing, comfortable thing where you take the weight off and, and recharge and get ready for the next day or enjoy a movie or, play with your kids or eat. Um, so if you're not able to sit comfortably because you have pain in that area, that you should be seeing someone. Um, first off, I'm again, biased, I'm a physical therapist. If sitting is uncomfortable and you're not bleeding or a uh, sudden loss of continence, then a physical therapist is a great place to start because it could just be a muscle spasm. Uh, and one very particular muscle that if it doesn't relax, you can't, the bowel, the stool can't come out and that creates constipation and all sorts of other problems, but there's nothing wrong with your gut. It's that the, the hose is being squeezed and, and things can't come out. That's a muscle spasm. If we get rid of the muscle spasm, things go back to work normally. Um, so yes, pelvic PT for that, for sure. Uh, problems having bowel movements, problem passing stool, 
uh, problems keeping stool in, because if it's not working, that's another problem. Uh, and that's fecal incontinence is one of the things that will stop people from doing everything. And it's, it needs to be treated and needs to be treated fast. People need to get to help. So a, a proctologist or physical therapist, um, pelvic health therapists all over the world are really good at saying, you know, this is beyond my skill here. I'm going to refer you to this good person. So it's not like we're going to keep you churning in a, in something that's not helping you. If there's some um, anatomical or physiological problem that needs a physician to care for, we will refer on. Um, I love it when people have seen their doctor and been screened for things like cancer, um, because there's nothing I can do that's going to prevent that. And you, there are people who can help that and you need to go to them. But at the same time, I can help you not hurt and not be incontinent and go about your daily life with some joy. So that's kind of going from back to front. Um, the problem sitting, problems having a bowel movement, um, vaginal pain, uh, which is inside, uh, or labial pain, or vulvar pain, which is outside. So you can have a, like a deep pressure, not the golf ball in the rectum, more like this big, heavy pressure in the center through the, the perineum and, and vagina. Um, that can be prolapse, but it also can be muscle spasm. Uh, I describe it to women that are having problems with um, penetrative sex or just pain. It's like, you know, when you're driving and there's in parking lots, there are those things that come up out of the ground and block the road. Yeah. There's a name for them and I can't remember what it is. The um, Just like there's a muscle around the rectum that if it's in spasm, nothing can come out. There's a loop of that in around the vagina and if it's in spasm nothing can go in uh, and it hurts which makes sense because if there's a muscle spasm it's going to hurt to try and touch it or use it so a lot of what we do in pelvic health especially in pain is teaching people how to relax those muscles and keep them relaxed and i said earlier they're reflexive and reactive um, which is great but they're also supposed to stop it's fine that they contract. It's just not fine if it doesn't remember how to stop contracting. So is so is your treatment for that the sensory integration stuff that you teach in your book? It can, it can start with that. Sensory integration is a great way to start when just touching hurts or when just thinking about being touched hurts because it literally integrates your sensory system to get it accurate again. Uh, one of the big things with pain is that pain is normal. It's normal to hurt. It's not fun, but it's also normal that it goes away. It's when pain persists. And that's usually when we're coming involved. I'd like to be involved within the first three months of symptoms, not 10 years later. Um, because if we could help people right away, like, wow, you know, I did this thing and, and now it hurts to sit or I can't wipe without pain or it's getting really hard to have a bowel movement or sex is starting to hurt and you get help soon, we could maybe stop people from having to hurt for 10 years before they get help. That would be fabulous. Um, moving forward, there's also a, a loop around the urethra and sometimes some continence problems isn't the bladder. It's that the pelvic muscles are either not contracting when they should, or they, they forget how to stop. It's a lot of coordination, just like you would see in sports problems of, trying to coordinate your, your pitch or anything like that. The timing of the muscle and the ability of a muscle to relax is important. Same with these muscles. 
How do you distinguish what's causing the problem? Trial and error. And it, and it's, there's, there's not a lot of real estate in the area. It's about the size of your hand. Um, not my hand, your hand. <laughs> um, our bodies have matches. Um, so, so we check the muscles. That's the levator group is the one I'm talking about with those little loops that, that assessment to find out if it's tight or not is less than five minutes. Um, oh. it's not terribly complex. Uh, but if it hurts to even touch, you can't find out if the muscle's in spasm because you're already, all you know is it hurts. That's where the sensory integration comes in, where we're like, well, let's restore normal touch tolerance, normal pressure tolerance in a way that is not torturous, that doesn't create a muscle spasm. So we're trying to sneak positive, pleasurable sensory input into an area so it stops guarding. Um, and that's the sensory integration part where it is, it is not supposed to be brutal. You're not supposed to hate it. You're not supposed to hold your breath and just endure it. It should actually feel good or less bad or maybe just boring, but <laughs> not horrible. Uh, right. I tell my patients that pleasure's on the other side of boring. It's like, um, cause peeing, pooping and sex are all supposed to feel good. Like if you're, if your bladder's full and you get to go pee, it's, it feels fabulous to have that pressure gone. That's normal. It's a positive reinforcement. Same with a good bowel movement, same with good intimacy and, and sex. They're all supposed to feel good. There's a loss when it doesn't uh, beyond just the pain. There's that loss of normal reward. Um, but when someone's hurting really bad, talking about pleasurable stuff is really distance away. So it's, I was like, we're going to go for boring. We're like, how was that? Meh. Yay. <laughs> well, <laughs> boring, bo boring's normal then. And then you get into pleasure's normal. Well, pleasure's yes, normal. I should say you boring's, get back to boring, zero. Boring's a nice neutral. You're improving at least. Pleasure is normal. I mean, think about food. Food should be good, not just it is all right. Um, yeah, I mean, there's still pain signals. I think of brain. MREs. My my ex and my kids were army, and I think of MREs when I think of that. It's like, yeah, they'll keep you alive. No one likes them. <laughs> like, yeah, not... dehydrated food. Mm -hmm. I mean, they will keep you alive, but is that all that you want? No. Sure. So, yeah, it's good correlation for people to understand. Um, we're going to start talking a little more about your book, which we talked about earlier, which is self-care for pelvic pain. And you also have a sit kit. So when you, you order these separate or do they come together? They, so OPTP, the outpatient therapy products that published it, um, you, you can buy it as a set. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can also buy the book separately. Okay. My intention of doing it was that you're not getting The balls that are in the book are like a collection of years of trial and error and testing and classes with therapists and in the patients or the clinic with patients of what's kind of a nice sample. Um, but you'll find a preference. And the whole thing about sensory integration is finding what feels good to you. So if I like, like to sit on, there's one in the bag that's like this inch, maybe kind of squishy, but not too squishy blue ball. Nope, that's the little green one. The people in France like the little green one. That was really interesting. Really? Like that's the French pelvic ball. This is very firm, by the way. It's like it a, is very firm. It's like, like a, a marble. Bouncy, yeah, it's like a bouncy yeah. ball. 
Uh -huh. Don't let it loose by a dog. Um, the, <laughs> I had a lab growing up that ate everything bad. Um, the little blue one is, it fits inside that sit bone. The, so you can get right on the muscle attachments around the bones of the pelvis and it's supposed to feel good. Just like if you did that behind your shoulder or on your foot. Mm -hmm. It's that sense of, oh, yeah, that feels good. Um, that's what we're looking for. But everybody is going to have a different preference, and your preference changes over time. I explain that to patients like shoes. There are days when you just don't want to wear those shoes. They don't feel good that day. It doesn't mean anything. There's no deep physiological construct that supports why you would like one shoe on one day and one on another. It's just your preference that day. Um, and the, the balls are like that. I wanted to call it the bag of balls, but <laughs> I suppose they didn't want to. For Amy, the editor, reason. has more class than I do. <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah, they all come in different shapes, sizes, and textures um, and firmness. And yeah, firmness. This is solid, it, but it's spiky. This is firm. This is squishy. Yeah, and the weird thing about the spiky ones is you'd think, wow, that's a lot. But sometimes that just feels really good. It's like Goldilocks. That's too hard. That's too soft. That's too big. I hate that color. It's it's a sensory experience. So whatever whatever you like best is what you should use. Right. And it's going to depend upon your size as a person. Too. Your size as a, and your preference. Like I said, the yeah. the French the, I taught I teach in France every once in a while and the the therapists in the classes every time I've gone over have preferred the little green one because I pass all the balls around and I say, which ones do you guys like? And it was, and I don't I think people come in all different sizes in France too. To, so it's, but I don't know. I, I haven't figured out any reason for it and I don't really think there is one. So the sensory integration is supposed to give your painful area a different sensation to think about. Is that the theory behind it? Yes. You're, essentially practicing pleasurable normal sensation so if something is hypersensitive we want to bring it back to normal if it's so it's if it's too sensitive we want to calm that down if you're um if you've practiced for survival to not pay attention to any input from that area so you, you where you work really hard to not feel it to not pay attention to it that's not helpful in the long run. Um, so we want to bring it up to a nice mid range. So if it's, if you tend to ignore the area cause it's been painful and horrible, we want to give you positive sensations so that you can think about it, feel it, own it again. And if it's, if it hurts when the wind changes direction or you look at a chair, these are all not jokes. <laughs> you look at a chair, you think about sitting, you think about driving to work and that makes your pelvis hurt. That is very real. And that's a hypersensitive system this is a way to start bringing that back to normal so that you have a workable environment to then change any muscle spasms. And cause just going straight for the muscle spasm when all of the sensory nerves are freaking out is torture in my opinion. It's just yeah. mean. Um, and we don't have to be, we can say here, here, I'm going to give you this ownership of how to make stuff feel good. And then we can work on those muscle spasms. Sure. That often go away if they're not reactive anymore. Yeah, if you have like a different sensory input, because I mean, with patients, I didn't work in pelvic floor and therapy, but you know, you're working with a total knee and it hurts. A lot of times you just yeah. kind of rub 
outside of the knee gently and they're like oh and then like exactly. while they're doing stuff and they, it's a different it's not scary anymore no right that's why we have questionable senses of humor in therapy and we keep people a little distracted and kind of laughing and make them feel a little good and you get that movement back and mm -hmm. yeah same thing it's exactly the same so then you have different one of them because this one was for the stomach correct um, yeah, well, we just kind of were like, because I have a, there's a gentleman I worked with that that's what he sat on. He put it lengthwise and sat oh. on it like a little miniature foam roller. Sure. And he sat on it that way. And that was, that was it. That would get rid of the muscle spasms and make things feel normal. Huh. Um, that's that's kind of that, interesting. That's my response in the clinic. Huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just a simple, get some pressure in an area and roll on it to relax it oh. and make it relax it and how cool if it's something that you have and i wish i'd brought it over here because i'm living in two different places but when my younger son was in basic training you can't take stuff with you but he grew up with me as a mom and he took i have it um he took a rock wrapped it in two pairs of army socks and a bunch of 100 mile an hour tape the green so it looks like a wad of green tape it's has a solid core and it's a little squishy. And he used that on his shoulders and his back and his legs when he hurt through basic training as a, if you put a little pressure into it and you get it to relax, it feels better. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't, sorry, OPTP, you don't have to buy them. <laughs> yeah. But it's really convenient. Not everyone wants to make their own stuff. Um, so it's nice to have a variety pack to say, I like this, this feels good. This helps me. Yeah, it's good to try at home, and if something works and you want to purchase it, then this kit is there for that reason. Yeah, and especially like in, in therapy clinics. So if you have them to try, then the people can just buy the balls they like. They don't have to get all of it. And those are all on purpose. I did this all on purpose. OPTP carries all of those. So mm -hmm. if you try one and you like it, you don't have to, sorry, OPTP, get the whole bag. <laughs> you, can get, you can get the one you like. And so it's a sample pack or if you like you know yeah i'm gonna get them all and um, it's cheaper to get the bag than to buy the sets of all of the components and um and then you have them the the bigger balls work well on larger areas the little green balls great between your ribs too um, here's a size comparison if you're watching yeah right it's like we're talking planets i wish yeah. i knew my planets well enough to give that example <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pluto's small, isn't it? If it's a planet anymore. So rude to Pluto. Um, yeah, so it's they're, they're, It's an exploratory thing, which is what sensory integration is all about. It's a it's a way to explore sensation with different textures and, and pressures to get the normal pleasurable sensation back. So you start with something that's disrupted and you bring it back to normal. And then you load it and use it and do those things that bring back normal function. So it can be used with many types of pelvic pain, right? All of them, just pain. So sure. if we think of pelvic pain as pain in the region, yes, they're sized that way. So they fit around the anatomy. Um, whether No matter what anatomy you have, they're sized to fit around the bony edges in, and so that nothing gets pinched. I do not have the parts, but I imagine if you're sitting on a ball and it squeezes a testicle, that's probably not helpful. There's no therapeutic benefit to that. No, probably not. Um, so it's important that they be a size and a texture 
and a density that is going to help, but not torture, but large enough and, and intense enough to actually feel it. So it's the same as we talk about strength and conditioning for anything, enough to make a difference, not so much that it's anti-helpful. Sure, problematic. So you, in the book, you mentioned like you can try them. Um, you kind of have certain balls and certain positions for certain mm -hmm. ailments, but you can kind of mix and match mix and whatever match. works. Yeah, absolutely. They're the only rule. And I think it's in there often. The only rule is that it's supposed to feel good. Like if yeah. you're doing it and you're like, I hate this, please stop. There is no need or benefit to practicing doing something you hate when we're trying to get sensation to be pleasant. It is faster. If you're just like, I want it faster, great. Then aim for the stuff that feels good. It's like you have your own little compass. Does this feel good? Yes, do that. Do that six or seven times a day for two to three minutes at a time on purpose and, and notice and be aware of the pleasurable sensation or the boring <laughs> sensation if it's pain. And some people, I mean, pain, pain is hard and it's brutal to experience. And sometimes for some people, the concept of no pain is a cruel teasing kind of thing to say because they hurt so much so often. Um, if that's where you are, then what we're aiming for is less bad, just even a hair less bad. And we'll, we'll aim for that and build that. It's like, I'm back in Oregon. I can talk about building fires on the beach again. It's you get that little tiny ember and you just protect it and help it grow. That's what trying to build the pleasure and normalcy back into sensations about. So would sitting put the most amount of pressure on the area versus laying down on your back versus like on a wall? Depends on which area we're talking about. I suppose, yeah. Um, so on, let's say in between the, the sit bones, the little bones in your butt, um, sitting is going to be the most pressure. Laying down with the ball like against the wall or the edge of a sofa will be less pressure. Uh, same way you would think about about your foot, standing's the most pressure, sitting is less, uh, laying down with your foot on the wall is less, having someone else rub it is less. So you have a, you always have a, a can't think of the word, um, a little grade gradation of how you can manage pressure. So it's, some. It's so weird though, because you're like, "Hey, my left side loves this, my right side hates it." Okay, <laughs> bodies are weird. Yeah. If, so, do you have people like start laying down then, or do you just do whatever they feel comfortable with? Typically, well, because in the clinic, it's some of those say uh, someone with pelvic pain where they where sitting hurts really bad. I will not start with them sitting because we already know that hurts really bad. I'm curious about what doesn't hurt, so I'm on a hunt for less bad, pleasurable. What are all the things that are okay? And I just believe people when they say this hurts, this hurts, this hurts. When I do that, that hurts. It's like, okay, I'm not going to prove it. I trust you. And what we're going to do instead is try and find all the things that don't hurt or hurt less. And then you're going to practice those. And we'll see how that affects the things that we're hurting more. So often with pelvic pain, we're sitting in touch anywhere through the perineum is impossible. We start as close to the area as you can. So someone might start standing with that larger ball or one of the spiky ones along the spinal muscles where the nerves that feed the pelvic floor come from. 
So rather than going to these areas that can't be touched, we go higher up and start there. Same string, different end. Um, and kind of sneak your way to the to the area. Um, there's always, yes, there is always an, an area. I mean, it's either everything hurts and then you start with what's the least bad or there's an area that hurts and we just find the edges and then sneak the edges smaller and smaller so that everything can be touched and then then increase the pressure of that touch and then increase the shearing forces through it. And then you're in a place where you can do more standard musculoskeletal work um, because the sensory nervous system isn't protecting it so far away. It doesn't, I would love to say it doesn't take very long. In some people, it doesn't take very long at all. In other people, it takes a long time. And that's that goes into the bucket of pain is weird. We don't fully understand it and all the components. We just are constantly trying to figure out how to do this more gracefully, more elegantly, more quickly, and more where people are in charge of it themselves. Sure. Is there anything... Is there like a common denominator you see with a lot of your patients what started it? I suppose it just varies. Um, I wish. the Because if we knew that, we could, we could <laughs> get ahead of it. Yeah. Um, no, some, so in women, sometimes it starts with period pain. I'm figuring out how to say this politely. Um, up until I think it's Queen Elizabeth, um, the women were considered supposed to hurt when they were in pregnancy and their periods and trying to alleviate that pain was going against the will of the creator. Um, so there was a lot of female pelvic pain that was seen as not only is there nothing to do for it, but it's actually horrible to try. Uh, thankfully, culture has changed. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, sometimes. But there was just a thing where somebody said they're not supposed to talk about periods in schools. So it would be lovely if everyone who starts to have their period realizes, wow, I'm cramping, but here's some things I can do to not hurt as much. Because then once a month for 40 years, they're not having intense pain, which sensitizes your nervous system. So what if we got ahead of that and said, wait, here's some things you can do when you start to have your period to not suffer as much. Suffering is not necessary. You don't get bonus points on the musculoskeletal sensory scorecard for, <laughs> for tolerating discomfort and pain, um, especially when there's things you can do to turn it down that you can do yourself. No medications, no doctor's visits. It's You own this. Um, that could be helpful. Uh, if you get a sorry, cramp in your ass, like you get a cramp in your foot, you stand on it. You get a cramp in your ass, put some pressure through it. See if you can inhibit it right then. Because what we do not do with foot cramps is lie down, put your foot on the back of the sofa and wait for it to go away. You stand on it mm -hmm. and you put pressure through it um, right then. Um, that kind of thing. But then, so those are more musculoskeletal kind of causes um that there can be infections um there like a uti can can agitate the system and they can get into spasm and just forget to stop um so it was a it was a infection that started the cascade and the infection can be gone but the cascade remains uh, we have to go clean that up essentially sure i guess it's yeah, it's very individualistic. I realize yeah. after talking with you, <laughs> right? And I, it's 
pain is weird, but so muscles can get crampy. Vascular systems can get a little dysfunctional, either too much or not enough. Sensory systems can get dysfunctional, either too much or not enough. Spines can get bothered and that can bother everything downstream. Um, the pelvis is part of the downstream area because why not the, if your gut is bothered, it can make the pelvic floor go into spasm. Like that's going to help. Um, but, but it can, and then you can like give a stomach flu, your pelvic floor cramps up, your stomach flu goes away, but your pelvic floor stays cramped. Um, that's not helpful. Uh, and it's really painful. Those kind of things can be what happens. Childbirth, um, falls, all of it. It's just sure. amazing. One of my friends said once, it's amazing we get up in the morning and are okay. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, yeah. You get some injuries or... But yeah, but then we recover. So the problem really is when we don't. Yeah, if you don't recoup all the way. Yeah. So uh, the important thing you're saying is get it checked out much sooner than later if it's not going sooner away. Than later, and really an emphasis on what can I do to help myself? Because we know like, like athletes, I was look at like professional athletes training programs as what us mere mortals should have too. They spend hours a day recovering to be able to return to play. The rest of us tend to like do our exercises once or twice a week and wonder why it's not getting better faster. It's like, well, their job is to have these great training programs they're doing once or twice a day. They have manual therapy. They've got some hot and cold, you know, there's this whole barrage of things to help their system reorganize. What we can do with sensory integration work is practice that two to three minutes, six to seven times a day, do something that just feels good on purpose to calm your nervous system down in a productive, helpful, practicing pleasure kind of way. It can be anything. It's a, it's a great habit to get into of like get your tea and smell it and enjoy the smell of it. That is a sensory input of just taking that second to be like, I like the way this smells. This smells really good. It does really good chemical things inside of us for calming inflammation and boosting dopamine and serotonin and all those things that help our, in our neuroimmune system work better. And those are things we own. We don't need to go to someone to get it. We can do it ourselves. Sure. So my last question I have on here is in the last chapter of your book, you provide some simple tips for pelvic patients to feel good each day. Would you mind describing a few of them? That was one of them. Okay. <laughs> the, the six tip to, one. Two to three minutes, six to seven times a day, something that purposely feels good. Um, the other thing that I love to recommend to patients, once we get them to a point where they can, and it might be protective. I don't know. Like a protective thing is something that if we do it on a regular basis, it limits or minimizes the chance of something going wrong. Um, and that would be to purposefully sit on a bunch of different surfaces. Like, like sit on that hard chair and be like, yeah, it's not my favorite, but I can do this. And then sit on the comfy sofa that you love the best and, and just mix it up. Uh, cross training for your pelvic muscles. <laughs> Maybe. I suppose just getting a variety yeah, of different getting variety, right? And to, to challenge those, I'm only okay under these very narrow conditions because that's not actually okay. It's, it might be a point where you need to. And with someone, again, with all 
respect for the the difficulty and the challenge people go through um that might be that like that could be life-saving if there's if i could be okay under the specific set of conditions i don't want to demean or diminish that but i also would love to have people be able to move beyond that to have a bigger buffet of possibilities um but for some people who are in horrible pain what i just said would sound really fabulous um, so i don't want to minimize that all right do you have anything else you'd like to add well, the, doing the pleasure is the biggest. I think if you're like, I want to remember one thing to do, it would be have do something that's fun and pleasurable every day on purpose. Sure. Just get out of the pain habit. Get into the pleasure habit. <laughs> the, words, the words are different and they're on purpose. It's like, no, purposefully pursue pleasure. It sounds so hedonistic, but really it's not. It's normal. And if you look at any other species on the planet, that's what they do. Watch a cat. They're really good at purposefully pursuing pleasure and mice. But, you know. Yeah. Um, I, was like, I was thinking of koala bears for some reason. <laughs> I have not spent much time around them. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I've never been around them in person, but they're always just they seem relaxing. Content. Yeah, <laughs> they, they just kind of eat eucalyptus leaves, which make them alter their consciousness and just lay around all day basically just chill yeah koala chill um yeah and do things that are fun um put something fun in your life i know life is hard and i living it right now there's a lot of work to do but i am i'm not going to get struck by the lightning bolt of hypocrisy on this one because yes still purposely doing something that's is pleasurable every day you know the the basics be stay flexible if we get tight and spasmy we are tight and spasmy and our nerves get squished by that so doing your yoga routine if you love yoga it doing you know just when you first wake up in the morning move before you jump up and start working get some flexibility and warm your system up um, be kind to yourself because uh, it's doing a lot of work for you sure well I don't have any other questions. So thank you for joining me today. Uh, people can find you at entropy.physio mm -hmm. and your book is available on Amazon and Amazon. OPTP. Yep. Amazon and OPTP. Okay. You can email me directly at sandy at entropy.physio. And I sort of still live on Twitter for as long as Twitter still lives. <laughs> Do you work with so your patients, I suppose they have to be in Oregon now to work, work with insurance, but otherwise you can see them online? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so online would be consulting or telehealth, but the telehealth would be based on whether, how quickly I get, so Illinois, because I'm keeping that license, and how quickly I get the compacts here in Oregon set up, because I'll have access to all those states once I do the paperwork. Sure. Okay. Well, sounds good. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. And I'm always, always ask questions and then email me again if I don't answer. <laughs> Just keep barraging you with messages. Yeah. 